Hi, my name is Nona, and I'm 11 years old. And why is Jesus better than anything else? Um, because he can do anything, and, well, he'll really do anything for us. Being a kid isn't easy. You know you're supposed to be good, and sometimes you feel like you're doing a great job. But then the next minute, you do something wrong again. That's why we need Jesus and to remember the good news of the gospel every day. Not just the part about when Jesus came to earth, but God's rescue plan from before he even created the world and the hope of living with him forever so that we can see through every story in the Bible why Jesus is better than anything else and why he wants you to join him. the Bible today, Miss Alicia? We're going to try, Finn. I bet the boys and girls can't wait either. But I have to show you my pictures first. And it's a good thing we're almost finished. Because I don't really have much room left in, in my room in her coral reef. And Mom says I can't cover the window opening to my room with pictures. <laughs> I can understand that. Hey, can you push your pictures a little more against the glass of the fish tank so I can see them better? Perfect. That must be the Israelites coming back home and rebuilding the temple and city walls of Jerusalem. And here's baby Jesus coming. If I put out those dots to show that the people had to keep waiting. Oh, and there's the man who couldn't walk, being lowered through the roof. And all those people eating the bread Jesus multiplied. And are those frowny-faced people the religious leaders who didn't believe Jesus' message? Yeah, it's so sad that Jesus was right in front of them. They still didn't want to follow him. Even one of Jesus' disciples named Judas Iscariot didn't believe in him and chose to betray Jesus by telling the religious leaders who hated Jesus everything they needed to know to plan their attack. Jesus knew what was going to happen, and he celebrated the Passover together with his disciples before he took them to the Garden of Gethsemane. Do you remember the first Passover? Hundreds of years earlier, when the Israelites put the blood on the doors? Oh yeah, when God sent those plagues and rescued his people from being slaves in Egypt. And they had to kill a perfect lamb to show that they trusted God to protect them from the last plague. This time, it wasn't just a lamb that would be sacrificed. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus sweat drops of blood because he knew what was coming. He prayed to the Father and said, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. When the soldiers came to arrest Jesus, Peter pulled out his sword. But Jesus told Peter to put it away, saying, I will drink what is in the cup the Father has given me. What's this cup Jesus keeps talking about? Well, it's the cup of wrath the Father had stored up. 
the punishment we deserve to get for all our sins. Yikes, but Jesus didn't sin at all. So it was totally unfair that he would get the punishment. You're right, Finn. God knew we could never be perfect and avoid his judgment. So he sent Jesus both to be perfect and take the punishment for us. After Jesus was led before and questioned by Jewish and Roman rulers, Annas, Caiaphas, Herod, and Pilate, Pilate had Jesus whipped and beaten. When the people demanded that he be crucified, Pilate relented and the bloody Jesus was nailed to the cross. Jesus was on the cross from nine in the morning until three in the afternoon. From nine until twelve, he served people while on the cross. He said seven things. First, he said, Father, forgive them to the people who crucified him. Then he said, Today you will be with me in paradise, to the man on the cross next to him who believed. Jesus took care of his responsibilities as a son when he told his disciple John to care for his mother Mary. And then, from 12 to 3 p.m., all creation reacted on earth to the tragic event, and it was completely dark. That would be terrifying! Jesus was silent until a few moments before his death. The only time in the Gospels when Jesus called God anything but Father was when he said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Miss Alicia, how could Jesus do all that for us? It's amazing to believe it, isn't it? Jesus became sin and gave the Father permission to see him like that. The Father looked at the Son and saw all the bad things people had done or will ever do. The Father saw a murderer, unbelief, a liar, adulterer, the times people are hurt and the times people do the hurting. Jesus became the victim of sin. Jesus experienced the brokenness and separation Adam experienced back in Genesis. He had to be completely separated from the Father. Before he died, Jesus also said, I thirst, and it is finished. Lastly, he called on the Father again by saying, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And then he died. Jesus accomplished the purpose of the cross and chose the moment of his death because he knew the sin was atoned or paid for. He crushed the head of the serpent through this act. The curse that came because of the horrible snake. It was really snake and cut Adam and Eve to turn away from wanting life with God. Right. Then Jesus was buried in a tomb and soldiers were sent to guard it. A man named Joseph buried Jesus in his tomb. The women who had followed Jesus from Galilee followed Joseph and saw where he laid Jesus. Then they went home and prepared spices to put on Jesus' body. So the body wouldn't smell so bad, right? 
right. The next day they rested on the Sabbath. On the first day of the week, when the women went to the tomb, the stone was rolled away and they saw two angels. They told the women that Jesus had risen from the dead. Jesus had conquered death. That's the best news ever anyone has ever told. If I were alive back then, I'd swim as fast as I could to tell my friends and family that Jesus was really alive. Yes! Part one of the blessing was finally fulfilled. He appeared to his disciples multiple times, along with many other people during a 40-day period. Before Jesus went back into heaven, he told his disciples to wait for his power, and then to go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. In the moment before he went back into heaven, Jesus gave the disciples a specific job, which we can see happen in the book of Acts. He said, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Ten days later, in Acts chapter 2, the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit, and part two of the blessing was fulfilled. All nations now had the ability to hear the gospel and be forgiven. We're living within that blessing because of Jesus' death, but all the nations of the earth have not been blessed yet. And that's why we get to teach others about God, and some people get on airplanes to go places where people still haven't heard this news about Jesus. I've never been on an airplane, but I can imagine what it might be like if it's a coral reef on the other side of the world, like in Australia. Christ won't come back until it's fulfilled. So the disciples began to tell people about Jesus, the Messiah. The gatherings of people who believed and met together were called churches. The apostles participated in a cycle of prayer, bold preaching, where some believed and some didn't, and persecution by those who rejected the message. In Acts chapter 7, a follower of Jesus named Stephen was killed for his faith in Jesus, and many other disciples were killed as well. The disciples started preaching the gospel in Jerusalem. Then the gospel was proclaimed in Judea and Samaria, and Gentiles believed. Peter ministered to a Gentile named Cornelius, and the Jewish believers began to realize that the Gentiles were supposed to hear and be able to accept this salvation message. What's a Gentile? People who came from Germany? <coughs> Gentiles are everyone who isn't a Jew. I'm a Gentile. And I guess you're a Gentile fish. Oh, right. There was a Jewish man named Saul who used to hurt and kill Christians. But Jesus appeared to him in a blinding light, and he became a Christian himself. He then became a great missionary to the Gentiles. 
Saul, later called Paul, had a series of three missionary journeys and was persecuted greatly for his faith. Wow, so he used to hurt Christians, and now he's been hurt because he was a Christian. That's right. But Paul stood strong in Jesus through it all and wrote many letters, which are now known as the epistles in our Bible. Epistles? Aren't those really sharp? Epistles, not thistles, Finn. The epistles are 22 letters written to complete the understanding of the person and work of Christ so that we can know how all this history affects our own lives. Some letters addressed churches and others addressed groups of people. Paul and the other letter writers wanted to help everyone understand the gospel message and know how to live as followers of Jesus. Because of Jesus' sacrifice, we can have our sins wiped away and experience the forgiveness and restoration with the Father that only Jesus could offer. And we become a part of God's family. Isn't that awesome? Through the Holy Spirit's power, we and all the other believers take part in good work for God's glory. We have these small books so that we can join in the work God is doing in our lives to help us live like Jesus on the earth. But that's not all. Our relationship with Jesus is simply a preview of what's coming. In 1 Corinthians 13, 12, it says, Now we see through a glass dimly. Then we shall see him face to face. One time my sister Brooke was playing outside a coral reef and found a sharp piece of glass covered in algae. I could see bits of yellow under the algae, but it wasn't until we cleaned it off that we realized the glass wasn't yellow. It was really a mirror reflecting us. Even as we read the Bible, we won't be able to see all of Jesus until he returns and we get to live forever with him on the new earth. In the book of Revelation, the Apostle John had a vision of Jesus' second coming. Yeah, all that stuff about dragons and monsters with lots of heads is really confusing. Well, it's good to remember that we can't think of John's vision like he's describing a movie that we'll be a part of. It's full of things called symbols. Just like you might read a poem and it uses funny words and pictures to describe something. The point of Revelation was to encourage the churches who were suffering because people didn't want them following Jesus and to know that in the end, Jesus wins. Well, that's not hard to understand. The conclusion to human history is eternity. There's a future home for believers and unbelievers. Believers will live with God on a new and restored earth, worshiping and working with Him forever. But unbelievers will spend eternity separated from God in hell. People have to decide while on earth whether they'll acknowledge Jesus as Lord and follow Him or reject Him and be eternally separated from Him. When Jesus comes again on earth, He will come in power. Sin will be dealt with and there will be a battle between God and Satan. Satan will be defeated and thrown into the lake of burning fire. 
God will establish a new heaven and earth and reign in a world free of sin. It will be glorious. And amazing and wonderful. Living and working with Jesus forever. So that's like the last piece of the Jesus puzzle. Right. Each piece of God's puzzle is important. And when we look at how it all fits together, we can worship Him for being in control and believe that His good plan will carry on through eternity forever and ever. But I'm ready for the last piece in the puzzle now. Why does everything take so long? It's hard enough to wait for my birthday every year. Well, one reason is that as we look back, we can see what people will do without Jesus. Cain murdered his brother. Israel rebelled against God and responded in unbelief time after time. David murdered a man and stole the man's wife. All people will spiral downward because of the fall. But because, but, but despite man's sin, God is always running after us. He's always saving the day. Jesus has always been God's plan to save us. And every story is part of his work to call people to himself. When you go to Sunday school or read your Bible, you can take all those stories and see that God has a plan and it includes us. So let's praise our God who lets us be a part of his plan of salvation for his glory and our good. Okay, I'll pray. And I'll pray for you too, Finn, that your throat would feel better. Wow, God, you are so good to care about us and save us, even though we keep messing up and forgetting about you. Thanks for not giving up on us and letting us be a part of your family. Through Jesus' sacrifice, you're the best. Amen. And Lord, please heal Finn's throat. Thanks, Finn. Next week, we're going to pick up where Mr. Thomas left off when he taught through Second Samuel earlier this year. Hey, the next book of the Bible is First Kings. So that means we're going to talk about all those good and bad kings. I'm going to start listening to it as soon as I get home tonight. I'll be back, boys and girls. Don't you worry. Can't stay, Blue Jay. And here's a quick message for you parents. I put a link on my website a few weeks ago, but I've really appreciated the truths from the Sovereign Grace Kids CD, Theology, with a space between the the and theology that came out a few years ago. Marty Makowski also wrote a book by the same name, The Space Ology, Ancient Truths Ever New, which isn't a survey of God's plan of salvation like we did here, but explains what we believe about God topically in language that kids can understand. Okay, talk to you next time!